Germans are not so uptight about nudity. This is not about nudity, okay? This is this is about decency. It is about privacy. Hello. Hello. How we doing? Good. Awesome. Welcome to our sixth episode of Sensei. Is that mm-hmm. right? Oh man, we're back. Cool. This episode is called Demons. 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 Also known as the Orgy episode. It is famous. It is. We're gonna dive right in. You ready? Mm-hmm. Ready to rock? All right. Let's do it. Let's go with the usual. Uh, who do we want to talk about first? Um, I don't know if this one really belongs to anyone in particular, does it? Yeah, it's actually pretty evenly spaced between characters. Like, they all get good amounts of screen time together, which is awesome, so. Why don't we start with Sun, who makes a decision? <sighs> yes. Yeah, so Sun is taking the fall for her family. Uh, she is walking through the halls of her family company while all of the insurance investigators and fraud investigators are cleaning house. She does a press conference and she's saying like, hey, it's all me. My family had nothing to do with this. I'm going to cooperate with the authorities now and they're going to take her to trial. They do. They're asking to post her on bail. She's wearing a really snazzy jacket. <laughs> I wrote that down because it was uh, it was awesome. It's also like the last time you're gonna see her in <laughs> fancy clothes. Fancy clothes yeah. for a while because she she finally got her prison clothes. Because spoiler alert, the court is like, yeah, we know she doesn't have a, any previous records or uh, instances where she's had issues with the law, but. The only reason she's cooperating was when it became obvious that they this was going to go public and mm-hmm. we're going to deny bail. She's going to jail. And so she gets taken away, makes some eyes at her, her dad and her crappy brother. And mm-hmm. it's just like, you guys are literally the worst. You're letting your sister go to jail for you. Anyway, uh, what else happens? For her, um, that's well, she then goes to... Uh, temporary jail before she's moved to prison. Right, she gets and processed. Yeah, uh, she just awkwardly has to uh, be checked and, and undressed and everything, which yeah. is much a contrast uh, for her. It's funny to me because uh, for the rest of the show mm. used to thinking of her as, well for one as you say, she's in the prison clothes yeah. or she's in like her outfit and they're on the run somewhere else yeah i think you know there's a few other times where she's got some different stuff on but that's what it is a lot of the time yeah but also she just seems so down to earth because of the prison clothes she seems very not the word i'm looking for but you forget that basically at the start of this show for one she's always wearing these very classy clothes it kind of gives her the impression of being more uptight i guess you could say yeah and And like she's Yeah. yeah very uncomfortable the prison when they're inspecting her yeah because it's um, horrible yeah and it's something i don't think about as much later that she's you know really quite privileged compared to some of them you know like yeah. she's actually from a very successful family and everything it's just that she spends the whole series on the run yeah <laughs> so you forget that like she starts out as one of the more successful uh, characters who's actually used to 
being in these sorts of conditions as right. compared to like a lot of the ones she's good buddies with like Kafius, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then later on they're more on the same level of well, the kind of problems they have to deal with because of her new situation. Yeah. But I guess the transition occurs very early mm-hmm. because she, you know she never really gets back to that lifestyle in the rest of the show. Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting because with her storyline for this one, uh, this is getting kind of trickier at this point in the series to break it down by character because they are um, kind of merging and folding onto each other. And with her, she gets a lot of cool like inner cuts between um, new characters that she's never met before. So she's already been introduced to Coffee. It's like they've already had their little introduction. But in this one, she she ends the episode and she meets Riley. And I feel like it's funny because there there's a lot of Riley does a lot of introductions in this. Yeah, one. well, introducing, saying their names to each other. Yeah. Which is always funny because this is the point at which a lot of them have started to interact, and I forget they haven't actually told like, each other their names. Yeah. 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 So but, they're like, hey, um, it's it's me, I'm Riley, and I just think we and we know. Yeah, I just think Sun has some uh, really nice moments with. Um, Leto and Riley and I think Sun is out of all the sensates the one I think and we've talked about this previously with Wolfgang is the one who kind of values her independence and privacy the most Yeah. and literally in jail they're telling also her also Wolfgang <laughs> huh? also Wolfgang that's why I said her and Wolfgang oh. are probably the two out of the entire group who is definitely like like to keep to themselves a little bit more closed off than the rest of them um, but in this episode, she's literally being told, like, you've lost your privilege to privacy when she's getting, you know, processed for prison. And um, it's interesting because that part, that horrible sequence with the doctor who's creepy and she have his medical license checked. I'm just saying. Um, and then the one that's making her stand over a mirror and he's, like, really aggressive asking her about, like, her sexual history. Yeah before prison. I don't like him. I'm what just about saying. medical licenses? I'm just saying I don't like him. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's, I'm not a fan. I'm sure he's a completely qualified doctor, but his bedside manner really sucks. Yes, yes. Anyway, so she's getting checked out by the doctor, and they're talking about, like, you've lost your right to privacy, and that whole montage is uh, intercut with Leto doing a celebrity interview, and it's obviously two very different situations where, you know, she's going to jail and he's just being interviewed. But it, they're both in an uncomfortable situation where their privacy is being taken away mm-hmm. and they have to find an, an, a way to navigate their, that territory. And Lido is more experienced with um, protecting his privacy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but I think, you know, it's kind of a nice little parallel and it, it, it kind of sets up like, oh, there might be cracks for Leto down the yeah. line with this. Anyway, yeah, so with um, with Sun, she has a nice moment. Not like a moment, but, but it's intercut with Leto with the interview. And then she finishes out the episode talking to Riley. And it's just another connection of they're both, you know, getting in trouble for crimes that they didn't commit. And they're both really scared and in places where they no longer feel safe. And it's really sweet because they give each other advice to be like, you should feel safe in prison. And you should feel safe leaving London because the current places that you were at are no longer safe for you. Mm-hmm. So those are some nice scenes 
I guess we could talk about Leto. If I could talk like. about Riley. Okay, yeah. Take it away. <laughs> well, Riley finally has something happen to her again mm-hmm. in this episode. When she is betrayed by Chugs. Chugs. What is this thing you wrote down? It was <laughs> I wrote it down. Riley betrayed by Chugs because he loves his drugs. That's true. Yeah. He can't resist. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe some money as well. Hard to say. Mm-hmm. But our friend... Uh, Uncle Benjamin, also known as Nix. Yeah. Creepy Uncle. The first episode. Yes. He's has back. Has returned, yes. And found Riley and used Shugs to get to her. And then, you know, there's a really stressful scene where he puts a plastic bag over her head a bunch of times. Yeah. Uh, which is uncomfortable. It's horrible. And I always spend the whole time just waiting for uh, the part when Will appears mm-hmm. <laughs> to fight back. Yeah. And break out of the the bag yeah. and escape from the room and if i remember correctly you never see them again after that no point, which is interesting i mean because riley is going to leave the country surprise and i think we can assume at this point they just decided she wasn't worth it yeah. anymore yeah uh, or maybe that's a storyline they were planning on picking up yeah it's true later down the line but they didn't she doesn't actually come back to london london yeah I don't that's think true so. yeah um yeah but it, Riley and Will have cute little interconnected storylines. Yes. So before that whole situation with Nick's, um, Riley and, and Will have like a cute little like date. It's uh-huh. not really a date, but she's at a pub in London and he's at a bar in Chicago and they're both thinking about each other and then they both appear and they finally introduce each other. And, um, you know, they do like a cute little phone trick with yeah. um, Diego because they're just like the, are we going crazy like how can we be talking to each other um, it's really cute it's clever. and it, it's clever because it, it, it when Dee's on the phone with Riley she's right there and she's commenting on him because he's like oh it's a chick with a weird accent she's like accent he's like she sounds kind of hot she's <laughs> like oh I like him and it's fun to see like that visual of you know the sensates are there but they're not there Yeah, and they can kind of be at least in the case with Leto down the line like snarky and petty and give their opinions on people that are talking about them and they can hear on the phone they can hear the voice before it arrives on the phone yeah which is very clever detail yeah it's cute um but Will asks Riley if she's doing okay because like the last time he saw her was at the church when she was freaking out Mm -hmm. um and then he he comes to the rescue for that beautiful bag choking scene (laughs) which is really stressful and it's important I think that they show Will like the effect that it has on Riley also has an effect on Will Um, not just in like a biological reaction to all of a sudden he's choking to death but like when he's punching out people when he's in London as Riley he's also punching out people in Chicago uh, with the cops at the bar yeah so it's it's you one of those you things can't where it. yeah you can't control it yet and your actions are kind of not your own but you're also not in London you're in your own place and that has consequences of yeah. you know the rest of the police department's like this guy's crazy like there are ramifications to his job for being a sensate that's you know kind of just getting hinted at right now well that's what that's what they do pretty much because yeah. Riley escapes. Mm-hmm. She does talk to Sun. It's a really nice conversation, like you talked about. Mm-hmm. And um, she <laughs> talks about being cursed, which is important. Yeah, 
Yeah, they're, she does. They're slowly revealing that she, why she is in London is because she was told as a little girl in Iceland that she had a hex on her and bad things would happen to the people that she loves. And then, you know, her mom died very shortly after that. Yeah. And she mentions a lullaby about a mother having to kill her daughter and how it's horrible. Not daughter. I think just child. Yeah. But it's just these little seeds of things where you're just like, oh, Riley's just talking about Iceland and how, you know, these people have, you know, talk about like the, you know, they kind of have like a magical, like fairy tale lullaby Mm -hmm. culture that is kind of, you know, creepy and it has affected Riley um, because she believes in parts of it. Well, it could sound like a weird stereotype of Icelandic people until you realize that she's talking about something that literally happened to her, as she will discover. (laughs) Yes, as she will discover down the line. But for now, you're just like, oh, we're just getting like a a weird quirk, interesting cultural background on Iceland. It's like, no, it's actually a very specific to Riley situation. Um, So, yeah. So we're kind of getting a little bit more development with Riley. She's finally making the decision to leave London. I think it's interesting foreshadowing because you do, or at least um, when I first watched it, I think I thought, well, this explains some of her uh, scenes, some of her attitude, mm-hmm. because she's saying this thing about this curse, and, oh, her mother died, so that must be why she doesn't want to go to Iceland. Yeah. And she deliberately leaves out the other deaths that were probably much bigger factor in her leaving Iceland. Yeah. Um, which is partly the show trying to keep that from you until later. Yeah. But I think they do a nice job of it because you think, get a good yeah. second read on it the more you rewatch it. You're like, oh, it's very obvious in hindsight. Well, it also reads like she is uh, doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, which reminds me of, oh, I'll do Alito because <gasps> that's sort of what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just that I love in the interview bit that Alito has mm. where he, um, you can see him, he's uncomfortable because he's switching with sound and he's kind of confused. Yes. But once he gets his bearings, you could see him switch into, uh, like, actor interview mode or something, yeah. you know? It's like, it's not really him, um, but he seems like he really enjoys the feeling of, of knowing how good he is at it, sort of. Yeah. Like, he's in control of the situation. Yes. Um, and, I don't know, I think he's, well, you know, Miguel mm. does a very good job. Yeah. With Lido and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because his job is to play a character who is, like, very silly. Yes. <laughs> but also taken seriously. And part of that is the contrast between when he's sort of acting as himself and acting as a Lido in the show acting. Right. <laughs> which is a tricky thing to do. Yeah. it's a, it's. Yeah. I always find it interesting when you have actors who are playing actors. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I, and we figured out the the really, really intense interviewer's name is Christina. She will pop up a few more She's times. She's just very into it. She's really oh, into Lido. And the movie that Lido is making uh, yes. has a name, I it's believe. It's Even Angels Must Earn Their Wings. Which is a great name. So good. Love it. But uh, yeah, she is asking him fun personal questions he gets confused and then he recovers pretty well yeah because he's like oh my god christina that was an actor in this. <laughs> and i was like wow that's a that is a bold-faced lie but well done for you know trying to cover your tracks there because i feel like yes it would be hard to recover from suddenly being in a korean prison with yes. a doctor asking you to you know crouch over a mirror <laughs> <laughs> 
I think he, he recovered admirably. Yeah. This isn't a very big episode for Leto. I think the only other thing that happens is that he goes to the... The match. Uh, the, yeah, the wrestling match. Yeah. Um, where mainly it serves, I think, to uh, have he and, and Daniela and Hernando uh, get to know each other mm-hmm. as a group a little more. Yeah. Uh, specifically in regards to Hernando. Yes. But um, also, of course, as creepy foreshadowing. With Joaquin. Yeah, because he's Who's a drama queen. <laughs> the masked man. Oh, my God. In the background. But I do love that scene because <laughs> Hernando is such a nerd. Yes. Everything. Oh my God, such a nerd. So, they're they're going to like a a traditional like wrestling match. Yeah. Like Paco Negro or something. Well, that's just the name of one of the of one guys. of the characters. Yeah. yeah. In the in the match, and instead of just you know enjoying that brute force and the spectacle of it, like Hernando is that dude who you want to take with you to like a museum or you know apparently any sporting event because he wants to explain to you the the, you know, intertextuality and the complications <laughs> and what everything really signifies because he's talking about, like, your inner demon and if you can't confront it, you'll never be at peace. And, and I think that's kind of where they get the, the show line from or the the, the show's, uh, the episode title is Demons. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, you know, a fun little theme that is slowly coming to the surface for a lot of the characters as you get it from him talking about, like, the demon within... And then that also happens with Kala, calling Wolfgang a demon. Mm. But yeah, Hernando's a little nerd. And this is this is a character trait that could be very irritating if it were not for the fact. It's that very endearing. The Lido clearly uh, loves, loves it. Loves so it. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, it is important to, you know, note that. Yeah. Well, I like Joaquin that. is along is on the fringes, and he's clearly crazy mm-hmm. and unstable because he's stalking them wearing <laughs> wrestling masks. Yeah. Which also, is not normal. <laughs> I like that in regards to Alito because he is the actor and he is the theoretically uh, he's like big the, personality guy. Yeah. But he has scenes like this and it sort of is quiet sometimes. Yeah. Um, and Hernando is the talker. I think they have an interesting relationship yeah. because Alito is the actor, but is, so he's, you know, quote unquote, a liar. Yes, he's sort and of. And Hernando's very honest and open. He's more internal. Yeah. And yet they are, like, their personalities sometimes, you know, they are uh, counterintuitive to what you think they are, as sometimes Hernando gets really big and passionate, and Lino just gets a little bit more introspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a fun scene, and Danielle's like, I get it. <laughs> like, Hernando's super cute and nerdy. Um, so that's, that's Lido, and I think that's foreshadowing is picked up next time. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So uh, everyone just takes a break, you know, halfway through the episode. Yeah, for true. some reason. I know they're just like, guys, we're doing well. Let's, I'm thinking about uh, who else we got. We got Kala and Nomi and Wolfgang. Oh yeah, there's there's well, and Kala coffees. is recovering, you know, from her. Yeah, wedding. it's super cute. She wakes up and her whole family's just staring at her, <laughs> being like, "We took turns to watch over." She's like, "Oh my god, thanks, guys." She has a lot of great scenes. In she this has one. a really good. Yeah, I think all of her scenes are really good. She has her family, which is just funny and. And she's with Wolfgang, which is also really funny. Yeah. They keep meeting each other in the most inappropriate places. Like, well, usually it's a bathroom, yeah. but now it's just, like, in each other's rooms, going through their closets and, like, finding underwear, <laughs> which is funny. Um, but, yeah, there's a there's a really cute scene where I squeal a lot between her and, and Wolfgang. She's in denial. She's in denial. He's like, I want you. And you're like, damn, Wolfgang. <laughs> He's very You're direct. Bold. But uh, it's cute because I think it's her first time where she's rambling. And I love it whenever Kala rambles. Yeah. Um, 
because she's so like well, I don't know, just sweet and honest and concerned, <laughs> like genuinely she's very concerned about her proper situation. too. Yes. Most of her rambling is about him being naked. Like other people being uh, indecent. <laughs> yes. Yeah, where she, yes, she's she's getting ready to go downstairs to talk to Rajan because Rajan's there, and while she's getting ready, she ends up in Wolfgang's bedroom and vice versa. And Wolfgang's like, Germans aren't shy about nudity because guess what, guys, he's nude again. And she's like, it's not about nudity, it's about <laughs> decency, and you are just indecent. haunting me and indecent, and you're you're ruining my life. And he's just like, you didn't want to marry that guy. And also, you're totally looking at me, right? She's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> And she's a she's a has a really great comedic timing. Yeah. Um. And they share cute little smirks, and it's adorable. And she's calling him a demon because mm-hmm. he's ruining her life right now. Yeah. And he's like, "You're in denial, girl." And then, uh, she has a great uh, scene with Rajan too. Yeah. And Rajan is just a compliment factory for Khalid's dad. Yeah. He's just, I I I don't want to be presumptuous here, but I feel like. Half the reason he wants to marry Kala is because he can get that dad's cooking. Rajan is being extra, you know, extra nice in this scene. Yeah, it's, extra it's sweet. Suspicious. Yeah, you're just like, what's up with that? He's complimenting the food. Yeah. He's throwing out some like, you some know, progressive, just progressive discussions points, talking about, about how unprompted. Yeah. How her grandmother, you know, uh, She's is that right? Her grandmother. Yeah. Probably, well, her uh, dad's a cook, and and. He learned how to make the dish, and he's like, oh, he must, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, he learned how to make it from my grandmother. He's like, oh, she must have been really proud of him. But she's like, no, she's actually a very difficult woman. And he's like, well, if you think about it, you know, <laughs> because your dad's a, a dude, like, he would definitely get more credit culinary-wise than your your grandma would. Just like life must have been hard for your grandmother, though, and yeah. Kala's just like, like no, oh, no, nah, nah, grandma was awful. <laughs> grandma sucks. But, you know, it's it's, you know, just a little, I don't know moment where he's just like oh i understand that you know it must have been difficult for women in this country to you know make a name for themselves and things are changing and i am fully supportive of it well it's it's like it's quite a lot of support yeah although i think over the point of these (laughs) scenes and quite a lot of scenes of rajan is that you tend to expect a moment where he's going to have a turn or something like that should be his role, you know, yeah. to become the bad guy, and he and that's doesn't what she's ever even do expecting. it. Yeah. yeah, she's always like, "Oh my gosh, if it were me, I would be so embarrassed, and I would understand, like, why? Like, you must think I don't want to marry you." Mm-hmm. And it's a weird played scene because we're still, she's still clearly not a hundred percent sure yeah. about Rajan, and it doesn't help that you know the beautiful nude Wolfgang <laughs> keeps popping up and telling her, "Yeah, you don't like that guy. You don't want to marry him." Um, and she's never a hundred percent on Rajan, and she even tells him like, "Oh, you're just making this really difficult for me." Um, so I think she goes down there with the assumption that we're gonna break it off because I fainted at the wedding yeah. and I embarrassed you. And he's like, "No, no, no, I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's a really sweet story that we can tell our kids, you know, down the line." And I think you know we have to get married if only because it it'll make such a great story. Um, yeah. And it's it's tricky because like he's not a bad guy, and you keep thinking he's gonna turn, and he doesn't. Well, I think the scenes serve this double uh, purpose, mm. where you do think he's going to be bad just because that's how these things go, because he's in the way. Mm-hmm. But also, you're you know you're definitely from Kala's point of view, you're constantly hoping he will. Because yeah, then so you don't have to make a can, decision. Yeah, she can just go. Yeah. And he keeps being nice, which confounds expectations, but also leads to 
so many scenes where you keep thinking like, oh, Kala's gonna get out of this now. Right. Like, ah, oh, no, she's not going to. Yeah. Because he's still nice. Yeah. And Kala isn't and gonna do anything if he's still nice. Right. It complicates it. The least her. decisive sensei. Yes. Who's the most decisive sensei? Wolfgang. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> what a pairing. I, I was very decisive about that decisive yeah. question. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. If someone not doesn't question using a rocket launcher, <laughs> they've got to be the most decisive person out not there. Son, <laughs> not Sun. Not Leto. No. <laughs> not Will, not Riley. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be Wolfgang. Yeah. Anyway. Half, um, the, half the conversation in this show are just people saying, I don't, I don't know what to do. And Wolfgang's like, I'm doing the thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much her scene with them, and, and it's just with Rajan and Wolfgang. Yeah, and that's, that's her stuff. Yeah, she hasn't met anybody else yet, none yeah. of the other sensates. Um, so what's uh, coffee is? Yeah, coffee is coffee. He is Pretty getting, big one for him. Yeah, a really good one, a little, fleshing his story out a bit more. So he's meeting up with Silas Kabaka, who's living, living the, the golf country club lifestyle up in there. Uh, he goes yeah. to visit his place. Whenever it cuts to that, I always, no matter how many times I've seen the show, I think, like, who are we with right now? Right, who, because who you're hangs so out used in the to. Country club? I know, I know. But it's Silas Kabaka. There yeah. you go. Uh, yeah, so Coffee's meeting him after he, you know, guarded those coconuts with his life. Uh, and he is introduced to Kabaka's daughter, Amundi, who mm-hmm. is precious and a bitchin' sandcastle builder. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's interesting because I think that one is also like Rajan uh, kind of subverts expectations with Silas Kabaka because with Rajan you think oh he's finally going to snap and be like damn right this isn't worth it and with Kabaka you're like oh he's a really intimidating gangster um, a very powerful dangerous man and that's not to say that he isn't but you get to see a whole new side of him when he's with his daughter where he's mm-hmm. like I will literally do anything for her and he still does threaten coffee as being like if anything happens to her you know she is my entire life and your life will end if you know something happens to her yeah. but it, it becomes more apparent that he's a very doting father he loves his daughter very much and he'll do anything for her and it kind of it doesn't soften him but it adds like another dimension to him that I think you know gets you to understand why he does the things that he does. Yeah. And it, he's kind of almost like a mirror to coffee is because it's like if, you know, given the right circumstances and the and the right push, like, coffees could totally end up like this. I think this is important given what the show does with him later. Yeah. Um, because you really need to understand that this is sincere. Yeah. I mean, because he's going to do a few things <laughs> that are pretty oh, bad. Oh, yeah, he is. Um, but you're still expected to um, feel empathy for him. Yeah, especially uh, with his and by extension his daughter because yeah. she's so she's so sweet. She has a great relationship with Kafias. They talk about secret identities, like <laughs> he's Van Dam, she's Diana Prince. Um, it's really it's really sweet, you know. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, you know, regardless of who their families are, their situation, like there are still people who are, you know, kind of aware of what's going on. She's aware that her, her father, you know, there are people after her father, and he's like, she's like, we must be brave and courageous. And and she kind of just adds a different perspective for Kafius about her dad. Yeah, and Kafius has that look like, oh, sure, your your dad is so much like Van, Van Damme. Damme. You know, like, I'm not going to talk about 
things I've heard about your dad. Yeah. But, uh, but even she's like, oh, no, you know, I think she's somewhat aware. But yeah, she well, doesn't I mean, fear her dad. I think his, his understanding that uh, from the other perspective, uh, yeah. yeah, she doesn't realize that his dad has, her dad has the reputation probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, he, it's essentially his job to drive her uh, to the World Health Center to give her treatment for leukemia. And they're driving the Van Dam because Kabaka's cars are recognized by his enemies. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a safety precaution. So he has booked out the bus for like the rest of the week. And his friend, uh, Jella, he's like, here's some money in advance. We have to get these people off the bus. He's not pleased. Yeah. He's like, don't do this. He's like, I have to. You know, my mom's... The medicine, by the way, that he got is helping his mother. Yeah. From what we hear. Plus, um, they were really looking forward to sticking it to that bat van. I know. The bat van is sinking. Yeah. The van Dam is on top now. So, yeah, it just... It's kind of messing with his way of life. But it's also for... I mean, despite getting the circumstances of him having to do this job, like, the job itself is pretty noble. It's like, we got to protect the little girl so she can get the treatment that she needs mm-hmm. to fight cancer. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's like, everything he's doing is for a reason that would be considered good, you know? Yeah. But he may eventually realize that the cost is too much. Yeah. It's all revolving around medicine, too. Um, which mm-hmm. I think is something that connects him pretty well with Kala later down the line and causes some concerns. But anywho, yeah, that's pretty much all he does. Um, Nomi. Nomi (laughs) is uh, they make it back to their apartment, finally, Herman and Amanita, and it's trashed and it's been looked over, laptops, backups, her journals, they've been rifled through or taken, and she's like, it's not fair, I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And Amanita, you can tell, is pretty down. She's like, I know you didn't do anything, but, like, this clearly sucks. And it's a whole other, you know, theme of privacy. Because, like, right before they um, they arrive home, Nomi is kind of there in Korea while Sun's walking around watching everybody, like, essentially take her family company stuff and go through the material. So it's a similar parallel. She's like, wow, I have no privacy now, and I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um and so Nomi gets fired up and she's like, Fuck these guys needs. Like <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take some action here. And Amanita's like, Oh shit. She's like, We need a place to stay yeah. that's safe and we need to, you know, kinda regroup and figure out what we're doing. So Let's go to your mom's let's house. Let's go to your mom's house. Yeah. And uh, Mama Neats is what I've been calling her because I don't actually know her name. Even more of a hippie. Even more of a hippie. Yeah. It makes so much sense <laughs> when they arrive on the doorstep and her mom's there with like her Coke bottle glasses and her Berkeley, you know. I think, does she teach at Berkeley? Or she did at some point? I don't know. Or am I just she getting seems that like a professorial head? lady. She is a university professor and she they have a discussion about evolution, which is interesting and kind of hinted at and further expanded on um, in season two when they get a little bit, they deep dive into that a bit more. Mm-hmm. But Nomi's essentially being like, hey, I'm, I'm having these sensations and I'm, I'm seeing these visitors and they're so different from me. And so what I want to know is um, why am I in a mind that's less similar than my own? And their mom's explanation is, well, you know, evolution, variation, I would expect expect that you know if you're evolving 
you would want something with variation that's different from you because variation is you know the root of change and evolution mm-hmm. and so that's something that will they'll play with later in season two when it is revealed that they are different they're not homo sapien yeah okay. so i'm noticing something on this one mm. a lot of this episode is about characters going into new Scenarios, sort of, and yeah. it's like a break almost before something happens. Like, Kafia says his new job. Yeah. And they are now in a new location, yeah. Nomi and Amanita. Yeah. And, um, Sun is about to go to prison. Yeah. It's like a call Riley's for the storm. Escape. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like they're all finally being like, we have to make these decisions mm-hmm. before the rest of the story kicks into gear. Yeah. Um, this is the last gasp of, um, passivity yeah they're they're about to take action right yeah yeah i mean the stuff with it because nomi is always going to have a storyline where she's she's always interested in like the the biology and the the evolution that and all the medical side of things when it comes to being a sensate and having her kind of flesh out those questions you know you think oh she's just trying to come to grips with what's happening to her but it's it's fun to watch or at least on rewatch because you realize no she's bringing up the idea that they're evolved beyond what a normal human is and then she also brings up the notion of like hey can i like take a pill like 80 Mm -hmm. like adhd to like terminate the effects or is this more like this other cause with dementia where i'll be less like myself yeah and it's like just it, it it's just a good like valid question because she's like innately curious about what is happening to her but it's also it plants the seeds for stuff that happens in season two where they introduce the the idea that yeah they are evolved and yeah there are these mm-hmm. things called blockers so it's kind of fun because i'm like oh wow how how far in advance did you guys plan this stuff out or how far did you take it a conversation be like oh there's something really interesting there that's something we should expand on in two so uh yeah so her she's just kind of getting to grips with their new situation trying to figure out more about what's happening to her and why these people are after her mm-hmm. because they, she wouldn't let them slice open her brain so yeah that's what's going on with Nomi mm-hmm. I'm trying to think anything uh, else both can do anything except hang out with Kala he, no he just hung out with Kala and yeah. he was literally naked the entire episode <laughs> which I guess is what we should we declared Wolfgang the MC of the orgy that's true. Yeah, which I think is one of the greatest things we've ever come up with. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> which we should get to. Yeah. Although before that, I want to say that uh, Will has had just the most Trying difficult whiplash-inducing day because he begins by, you know, clearly falling in love there with yeah, Riley. Yeah, with Riley. It's so and cute. And then has a horrifying near-death experience where he has to save and then immediately himself, is involved Riley. in this orgy yeah and he's the only person in the orgy scene that has something that stressful happened in the episode too yeah so it's like this is a crazy day for will is what i was yeah thinking. it's true it's, a, it's been a hell of a day he goes to the gym probably just to feel better after that stressful experience yeah and well, suddenly and something else is happening yeah well i think it's funny so the orgy scene uh is it i we should have the players up in here. So we have uh, Wolfgang naked in a pool, yes. just living his best That's life. That's why he's the MC. He doesn't actually participate, really. I mean, he does. It just kind of happens to him. Yeah, you, you know? know. It's like he orchestrates it. <laughs> That's not true. That's just how we like to think of it. <laughs> so he's there. Nomi is... He's in the pool of sexual energy. Yes. <laughs> he's at the head of the pool. 
I think it's actually a great shot. So the orgy actually gets, I literally wrote down queueup.orgy um, because I'm an adult. It, it literally starts with Nomi and Amanita in bed and Nomi's just like, I don't know if it's just because I finally feel safe that we're at your mom's house or, you know, you saved my life, but like, we're doing this. So Nomi instigates some sex and then Wolfgang is chilling in a pool. Will and Diego are working out. By the way, D is like the world's best gym coach because he's so inspiring. He's like, put that out, work that out. He's like, you keep it tight. And you're just like, thank you. Like, really just pushing and complimentary. That's what yep. you need in a gym partner. <laughs> um, and then Hernando and Lito are also working out. Yeah. And then, you know, Lito does a, a very, very tasteful lap dance in front for Hernando and Danny, mainly Hernando. But Danny is also there. And that is important. Um, and so <laughs> the players in the orgy are Nomi Will. Uh, Hernando and Wolfgang. Yeah. But out of all of them, Will is the only one who is not having sex, like, in his own scene. Like, he's mm-hmm. not having sex at the gym. He, it's just like the sensations are happening to him. So his reactions always make me laugh because you can tell he's like, what is happening? Whereas, like, um, Alito and Hernando are having sex and then Nomi and Amanita are having sex and then they're actually like it's very trippy it's very well shot um there I don't know what else to say other than I forgot about this until it, it, the music with that Macy Gray queued up mm-hmm. um Wolfgang's chilling in the pool and you see someone walk in from like the steam towards the room and at first I thought it was Kala but I was like wait no that can't be right but it's a woman who's naked and she looks like Cole and she kind of walks by and then like you've got Nomi and then Lido and Will showing up yeah that um, causes confusion for various people it seems yeah just because I think there's a scene with with Kala and Wolfgang you know somewhat close mm. to this yeah and then you see him there and I this think woman walks an out and you can't really see her at first, but she has long hair. Yeah, it's the long, dark, wavy hair. Yeah. I think it's kind of intentional. I think the implication is like He's thinking about her. Yeah. thinking about her. That and makes sense. And then he gets that orgy on. So, uh, yeah, it's an intense orgy. It's intercut with, um, you know, the individual sensates having sex with their significant others. Um, and Danny is there filming because Danny, as she has said from like the first time it was revealed that to her that Lido and Hernando are in a relationship. She's like, oh my gosh, I love gay guys. It really turns me on. And this has come to fruition when uh, she starts feeling herself while she's watching them get it on and she's recording it. Which and is that recording is not great. Shameful. Shameful. Yes. Um, which I kind of love because it's one of those things where you're like, oh, this is a really cinematic like moment where people are connecting and there's potential. And but the plot never stops. But the plot never yeah. stops, guys. Yeah. Except for maybe in the second orgy later. Yeah, that's true. But so hey. in this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I love the song choice, you know, it's as great. well. And it's really well shot. I understand people, we've heard the complaint. They're like, oh, all they do is have sex. Yes. I'll I'll do my yeah. trivia bit and say that someone did the math on it. Literally did the math. And uh, only two percent, less than two percent of the show, has sex in it. Yeah. And uh, like one percent of that is the orgy scenes anyway. Yeah. So, as far as the other ones, very little, not a lot of sex really. Yeah. I haven't done math on other shows, 
but I would easily imagine that there are plenty of others that have a lot more. Yeah. I mean, we did do, um, I think it's similar in the way we mentioned this earlier. It's similar to, I think, an impression of when you saw it. Uh, yes. To, like, the Matrix movies, the particularly the sequels, with, like, the quote-unquote, like, cave rage or- orgy. Um if you actually time it, it's not very long. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with this. If you compile all the sex scenes, it's less than 2% of the show. But it's I think they're just so... Um, they stand out. Because A, they're really well shot. There's a lot of characters up in there. Mm-hmm. And it's a sex scene. So they're all very memorable. I would wager that, in general, mm-hmm. there is a lot more beginning of the show. Yeah. Based on my memory. Not yeah. just, you know, that orgy scene, but some of these other little scenes yeah. like with Wolfgang I remember in the first few yeah and stuff like that and uh, I know there's less in season 2 I remember that um, yeah. they were just too busy with various plot, plot stuff yeah. to really like <laughs> waste time <laughs> take a break and have sex you know yeah um, and yet I did see people saying there was more uh, it's very much about impressions yeah not about what's in the show yeah but as far as this one goes, it stands alone pretty much. It's mm-hmm. the only thing of its type in this first season that was yes. released. So it's definitely a talking point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, no, I always get Renaissance painting as the thought in my head at the end of it, you know? Yeah. When all you can really see is There's limbs. Body. And I like that placement of the mirror they do there. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh,. It's a simple, maybe even obvious idea, but it just makes it look like even more is going on or something. Yeah, it's artistic. Adds to that feeling like uh, you're just, all you can see is this weird multi-legged skin creature. (laughs) You know, that's what I get from it. The beast with multiple backs. Yes. (laughs) And lots of arms. Yeah, I will say, um, I'm just thinking, because you mentioned, you know, compared to other shows with sex scenes... I feel like with this show in particular, the sex scenes never feel exploitative to me. There's a purpose. Yeah, there's a... I mean, to all of them. I mean, we could dig into the purpose for each particular one. Yeah, but I, th- I think yeah. even how it's shot, it's more like cinematic and artistic. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know how else to put it other than like, you know... It's kind of celebrating and praising, like, sexuality and bodies Mm -hmm. in a way that I think uh, other shows that deal with sex scenes don't. Um, There is also a different emotion behind it because it's all about, you know, characters being connected to one another. Mm -hmm. And so obviously you are going to have sex scenes because that just makes sense within the context of what the story is about. But I think it's just the way that they approach it is, I think, much more impressive than other TV shows that I've seen. Mm-hmm. The the Wachowskis and all other collaborators, but I think in this case it's fair to say, especially them. Mm-hmm. They do like to go all out. Yes. With everything. Yes. And in this case, that's this orgy scene, but also you could apply that to various uh, smaller sex scenes in the show. Yeah. Um, later ones that have to do with uh, like characters finally coming to a point uh, that they had been building to throughout the rest of the series, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a reason to do various scenes like this within the story, just like there will be in any story. Mm-hmm. But it's just the way they happen to tackle it is the way they tackle everything, mm-hmm. which is to make a very big spectacle of it. 
And truly the way they approach this scene is no different than the way they approach, you know, the karaoke scene yeah. or a certain scene later that also involves nudity but in a very different way that mm. is very disturbing mm-hmm. to I'm many not people. looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, or just some of the big action sequences, you know. It's the same approach. It's yep. just a different topic. And uh, to imply that there is any particular focus or difference in the way they approach the sex is not really accurate. Yeah. Um, that's just the approach for the whole show. Yeah, there's. I guess it's just they're very sincere in going for it. Yes. Uh, they, they like Whether it's to an make, action scene. Yeah, they like Hernando, you know. They yeah. like to make art out of yes. everything. It's true. And I think in this particular instance, the purpose is quite simple. It's just to show them getting closer in as many ways as possible. I yeah. don't know the best way to put that. That sounds obvious, but I think it's a bit different than some of the later things. Right. The second one they do, I think, is more about a celebration that also has to do with even just the fact of the show getting more than one season and stuff right. like that. But in this instance, it's really mostly about increased familiarity of the characters. You yeah. know, like they are uh, melding their all their thoughts and emotions and everything. And oh, now it's their bodies too, because they're all one and not just eight people. You know. Yeah. And, that's and it's not even not even all the sensates participate in this particular orgy. Yeah. It's still on the point of, you know, it's easy to get lost in the talking point of uh, what a crazy thing to see on television or something. Right. But in the end, this is really just another version of one of those scenes where they're like, why are we sharing something together, you know? And it's, yeah, it isn't even, it's half of them, you know? Yeah. It's not like a statement, like, let's get all the cast together and we're going to shock people. It's more just like carefully thought about, like, what would make sense in this moment? Who would be involved? Yeah, exactly. They I don't think just there's randomly a reason why you have Nomi in. and you yeah. don't have Riley in it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. These are not characters who would be uh, in the mood for such a thing. Yeah. The reason they do that scene later is because it's a different scenario yeah. where that does allow for it. But in yeah. this case, it doesn't. And they don't no. break the rules of the universe just to let it happen, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, that is the priority as always for it to still make sense for each of the characters. You know, they don't yeah. break it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's a big orgy. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like that's one of the big ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, I always, whenever we hit episode six, I'm like, this is the orgy episode. Episode so. four, episode six. Yeah, those are the big ones. I know, episode ten, probably. Yeah. yeah. There are moments to be discussed. There are big moments. But yeah, is there anything else we want to cover? Yeah, for, like, we have to do plot? our standard... Well, I'm saying, we covered all the characters, right? Yeah, yeah, we, we covered everybody. Everything. Nice. All right, so awards. Who's your Who's your MVP for the I decided the that Kala is my favorite because I realized I really like all our scenes, and also all our scenes are with the different characters, too. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a great showcase of how she interacts with all sorts of different people, from uh, family to her prospective husband mm-hmm. to other senseites slash... Yes. Wolfgang. Hypothetical lovers. Yes. And she's really, as you said, very funny in this one, too. Yeah. And very sweet. Um, you're not, yeah, you're not laughing at her, but her timing, her comedic timing is really good. Her personality really comes out in this one, I think. Mm-hmm. She's very stressed the whole time uh, before the wedding, preparing for the wedding. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, obviously she's even more stressed now. That's almost where you see her for real, because you see what happens when 
she suddenly has to deal with something instead of just going along with something. Yeah, she's feisty. Yeah. I enjoy her. Um, that's a good pick. Who was I going to do? I think I was going to do... Um, oh, Kala is such a good one. <laughs> I think I was going to do Sun, actually. That's uh, good just because she has to go through a lot, and I really like the scene with her and Riley. Um, because this is the first. That's a good. This is the first person she's talked to aside from Kafias, where she's not treating it as a, a hallucination, and she's already made her decision. Like with Kafias, she's like, "I'm really up in the air about this," and then with Riley, it's it feels a little bit more confessional. Like, okay, I made this decision, and now I'm I'm scared, and I think it was wrong, and they're both kind of you know encouraging and comforting each other. Um, I really like their scenes together. I really, I wish they paired them up more. I know they do pair them up a bit more at the end of season two, but I really like how they play off of each other because they are, I mean, obviously Kala is very different and probably the most traditionally like feminine out of all of the, the female characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and Riley is more of like definitely the heart of it. Yeah. Uh, she's not as soft as Kala. She has a little bit more of an edge to her. So her her differences between Sun are a little less distinct, but that's why I like seeing them together. Um, so yeah, I would I would give it to Sun. Alright. She went through a lot this episode. <laughs> uh, who's your who's your favorite Sunset side character? I was having trouble with this one. Really? I feel like it's an episode with a lot of scenes more about the Sunsets themselves. Yeah. And less with their Buddies. I can tell you it's not Riley's buddy, Shugs. Shugs. No. And Riley doesn't even really have a real side character. You know, she'll get some. She'll, she'll get one when she's in Iceland, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't want to steal yours because I know what yours is. You could take it. It's all right. I would say if it wasn't Diego, which <gasps> is yours. That is mine, yeah. Um, It might be um either someone in Ka's family or Rajan because I like those scenes. Yeah. Or it would be maybe Hernando just for his nerdy speech. Mm, yeah. About wrestling. Um, he just say he's like I. She's like, oh, you really love this, and he's like, I love art. I love well, everything who did art. I, we picked who did I pick last time? I don't know. Uh, last time we picked. Oh God, who did we pick? I don't know. I think I picked Diego. I think you last did. Time. Oh no. And I don't remember, but I think I actually would say. Um, Rajan, maybe, because I think this is one of the best scenes, actually. Yeah, it's a tricky scene. Where he really um, is likable as well. Yeah. Which is important, and I think in light of uh, us having seen the whole show now, because the finale did happen, mm-hmm. um, I think it's worth uh, looking into Rajan's motivations and character and reflection of what his overall journey is going to be. Yes. Yes. And this is a good scene for that. Yeah. I I think I just keep picking Diego because I find him very entertaining. But also, he is one of the characters, the side characters, that kind of falls away after a certain point. That's true. And you don't really get much of him. And I feel like he is one of those characters where if they had been allowed to do the full seasons, he would have come back a little bit more. Yeah. Um, But there is a span where, obviously, he is uh, associated with Will's storyline and yeah. he's going to get dropped from that storyline just to, based off of what Will will be doing. By necessity. But yeah, I like him because he's obviously like Will's best friend. He's his partner, his work partner. 
um, he's kind of the mouthpiece for everybody else in Will's work life, being like, hey, just so you know, this is what people are thinking after your little freak mm-hmm. out at the bar while you were choking and you beat the shit out of everybody. That's a good scene. And I, I like the fact that, like, D is very open and honest with him and being like, hey, by the way, this is what's going down. Maybe you should give a shit about what people are thinking about <laughs> you. And yet, at the same time, he always sticks by him. Because he's like, oh, well, do you think I'm crazy? He's like, oh, yeah, 100%. But, like, <laughs> I like him crazy. Like, I, I, I like that he's always yeah. there for him, even though he's like, you're going through some stuff right now. And I don't understand it, and I'm not going to try and understand it, because even I think you're a little crazy, but I'm still going to be there for you. I think pretty soon... Because he's a great gym coach. <laughs> yeah. I think pretty soon it's going to get a lot more difficult to pick that sort of thing. Yeah. Because there's a lot more scenes where the sidekicks really have to step up and, and do something yeah. or things happen to them. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite um, uh, one-off character in this one? I can't think of who's in this one. I'm you know, most Sensitive episodes have, like, that weird person. Yeah, that one dude. Who sticks really? out. Yeah. And this one, as I said, really seems like it's pretty heavily about our main people. All right. I was going to say, if I didn't already know down the line that she was going to be in a couple more episodes, that I would give it to Amanita's mom. That's, that's a good one. I yeah. like her quite a bit. But she is in more than one episode. But the, mm-hmm. her scenes are pretty small in each one. But I think they're kind of... She's a good soundboard to bounce ideas off of for Nomi and Amanita and what they're going to do next and mm-hmm. try and figure out. And I just love that she's like so so sweet and supportive and clearly the polar opposite of whatever home life Nomi has ever had prior with yeah. her family so um, I really like her plus I like her glasses <laughs> yeah I think she's, she's certainly a tertiary character you know? yeah. she's not she's not one of the she's not backups, a one but you know? I think yeah I, I, I would give it to her because there's really nobody else Yes. Maybe the wrestlers. I can't really think of anyone. I'm going to to avoid giving it to her mom as well. Okay. I'm going to give it to Lido's interviewer, who oh, is she, always she so does hilarious. show up more than once, but she is a good. This is a good one for her, uh, being really way too into it. Yeah, way too into it, and I love that they bring her back for season two. Yes. So, yep. So, um. What's your favorite scene? My favorite scene? Huh. Uh, I mean, if we're going by, you know, because I tend to pick the scenes that I think stand out the most. So obviously the orgy scene is is pretty damn good. Entertainment value. Entertainment value. I actually really find... uh, It's kind of hard. I'm flip-flopping between the two sensate couples. I really like the scene with Will meeting Riley in the bar and then both just kind of giddy to be yeah. like you're here and oh man it's just kind of almost like cute awkward like first date questions mm-hmm. he's like oh so you live in london and she's like yeah and he's like that's so cool i've always wanted to go she's like you're here <laughs> like it's it's like a, a twist on like a first date almost where they're trying to get to know each other which is almost sweet and endearing because they can't really get away from each other now yeah um i like that scene but I also really like one. the Wolfgang Coliseum because she's so funny and he's so... Yeah, she's like arguably one of the most indecisive characters and mm-hmm. he's so sure of himself. It's a pretty great scene. It's a great scene. This is probably one of the first episodes that has almost nothing but great scenes in it. Yeah. 
And I also like that you get to see a lighter side of Wolfgang. I mean, it's not like he's super happy-go-lucky all the time, but he's, you know, teasing and smirky and charming and Mm -hmm. and clearly likes Kala and he's a little intense about it. And um, I think it's, it's a good scene where, you know, it's nice to see him in a situation that isn't directly dealing with his, his own personal Shakespearean Berlin story drama with the diamonds. Yeah. It's fun to see him interact with a character that he, he genuinely like has just met and enjoys. Um, I would say, yeah. What about you? Obviously there's the orgy as we said. Yeah. Um, I'll take the, this like second to last scene with Riley and son. Oh, that was a really good scene. Which is really good. And, um, that's Riley, you know, hanging out in her favorite spot for, I guess it's maybe only the second time. Yeah, she she did her karaoke out there. Yeah, but uh, it feels like at this point you're used to this idea that this is a place Riley goes. <laughs> yeah, also, side note, if you're after Riley and you just know her routine, she'd be pretty easy to find. Just go up on that hill. That's true. Find her. Smoking hash. <laughs> and, oh, and I love, actually, that thing where um, Sun inhales, smoke, inhales, inhales, and Riley, and, uh, Riley breathes the smoke out. Yeah, it's really well shot. Clever I didn't detail. catch that the first time I saw it, but it's a great detail. But it's just a sweet scene, and I think it's the first scene they talk. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, as you said, not that common of a pairing. Yeah. Um, but it's an impressive transition, I think, because the orgy scene is near the end, and it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the episode does kind of manage to twist it to a more somber place, yeah. mostly through this one scene, uh, which really reminds you that like Riley's not doing well. <laughs> you know, she she almost dies at the beginning, but you get kind of distracted from that from the right. rest of the episode. And uh, and Sun is very um, confident and positive thinking sort of person. It seems she always thinks she can do everything, mm-hmm. but at the same time she's also about to do something scary yeah and it also yeah yeah well it sets you up for for the next one which is much more um uncomfortable i think for some of the characters you know because they will be getting into more difficult situations after this little breather yeah except for riley who gets to the opposite yeah well i mean she's earned <laughs> it man plastic bags are no joke but yeah yeah i think that's it i think we got it covered what we want to cover mm-hmm. i'm excited about the next episode um I think from here on out, it just, I mean, the series already hit the ground running in terms of, like, not spelling everything out for you, but now that the the characters and therefore the viewers are slowly making connections and figuring out what's happening, uh, the plot gets to kind of kick into gear now. And yeah, a lot of fun stuff our way, so I'm excited. It's about to get crazy. Shit's about to go down. (laughs) So, anyway, we should probably sign off. This has been Vicky. This is Camden. And we'll be talking to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Oh, that's right. I didn't do it. Mm, what a twist. I know. <laughs> if you guys liked our show, please let us know. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcast, And also feel free to contact us on our main website. That one is grumpyoctopusproductions.com. Then I'll link you up to all of our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and or like us on Facebook. And you can reach out to us at our email account. That is grumpyoctopusproductions at gmail.com. 
I think we're sensing a bit of a trend here. <laughs> um, also on the website, you guys can check out all of our episode and production notes and fun little extras as well. So, as always, thanks for listening, loyal listeners. Alrighty, signing off. <laughs>